I'm John Hall. Welcome to Drink Beer, Think Beer, the podcast that gets to the bottom of every pint. Last week, I told you about feeling crispy from working on a book, and this week, the work continues, but it's a little more fun. I took a drive to Asheville, North Carolina to help out with some photography for the upcoming book, and I also used the trip as an excuse to stop by a few breweries for a socially distanced beer and have a chat with brewers in person. And today, I'm talking with Jonathan Parks. He's the brewer and co-owner of Zillicoa Brewing. And we're all over the place on this one, and I'll tell you more in a moment. But first, an invitation to check out BeerEdge.com for articles, episodes, and to sign up for our newsletter. Also, check out the This Week in Rauk Beer group on Facebook, and we're also on social media on Twitter and Instagram at TWRaukBeer. This episode, and all the work that we're doing here at Beer Edge, is made possible through support from our sponsors, and I hope you'll give them a closer look. Brees has been malting barley for 145 years, and the fifth generation of family ownership is currently leading the company. But the values have always remained the same, producing the highest quality, most consistent malt, and working directly with their customers to help them succeed. From pilsners to porters and everything in between, Brees offers the finest handcrafted malts, extracts, and adjuncts to help you brew the perfect beer. Visit Brees.com or visit their social media channels to see and to learn more. At Athletic Brewing Company, their innovative process allows them to brew great-tasting craft beer without the alcohol. From IPAs to stouts to gold nails and more, they offer a full selection of beers starting at only 50 calories. Now you can keep your head clear and enjoy the refreshing taste of beer anytime, anywhere. Place an order today at athleticbrewing.com and get free shipping on two six-packs or more. And we're brought to you by NZ Hops. In a little country far down in the Pacific, you'll find a cooperative of master growers whose legend and cultivars have been crafted for over 150 years with creativity and passion to produce some of the world's finest hops. This is NZ Hops. The industry originated in 1843, not long after the early settlers arrived from England. Years of partnership with dedicated hop breeding program and farming knowledge handed down through the generations sees the current day master growers proudly providing 18 unique New Zealand hop varieties to the world. Visit nzhops.co.nz or find them on Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn at nzhopsltd. It felt good to be back in the world again, even masked up in socially distance. And before embarking to Asheville, I put out to social media the one question, where should I stop by in Asheville to have a beer? I hadn't visited since 2017, and a lot had changed in the city. And Zillicoa kept coming up time and time again. They first opened just after I last visited the city, but the founders come from strong brewing and home brewing backgrounds and brought a lot to the beer-savvy area, especially with a sour program and a love of lagers. They had, by the way, a wonderful smoked dunkel on tap that I enjoyed. John Parks is the brewer and co-owner and co-founder of Zillicoa and was gracious to spend some time with me between brewing and mashing out. We sat on the windswept patio of the brewery shortly before it opened to the public. From recipes to processes, COVID and creating, we get into it all. Here's our conversation. I haven't been to many breweries in the last year. Uh, in fact, I've been to, I think, maybe two before this, maybe three. Uh, all curbside, all anything. It feels weird to be sitting at a brewery right now, even outside, uh, drinking this delicious rock beer. My consumer 
perspective has changed considerably in the last year. And I, I'm wondering from a brewer perspective, what's changed for you? Well, um, I think when it first happened, um, we were kind of forced into doing things that we, we it, there were a lot of options. Okay. There, were, uh, there was a lot of, uh, thinking about doing things we didn't want to do in the past. Um, and we always knew we wanted to do bottles of our lager. We wanted to do bottle conditioned little stubby 12 ounce bottles. Okay. Like the red stripe bottles, like exactly. the, like the full sale sessions. Yes. Okay. Yeah. What's the um, appeal of that? Just before we get into, oh man, I mean those, you, I just, I need you to talk into the mic. Those, That's the only problem with radio. Yeah. I apologize. Those, so those, I mean, those <laughs> bottles in your hand, I mean, it's impossible not to crush them. Yeah. They're just, there's a nostalgic feel to them. Yeah. Um, they're unique. They look incredible in a, in a cooler. Yeah. Um, I think they're just beautiful little bottles. I, I, I really like the package. Okay. Um, but yeah. And even bottles in a, in a aluminum age. Yeah, so we actually just did our first candy run um, on Tuesday. Okay. So did that feel um, weird? Did that feel good? What's a the... little weird? We did our, uh, you know, we did a can conditioned Keller Pills, mm-hmm. um, which I think we're going to keep doing um, at least in the summertime, uh, just because they're a little bit more portable. I've always preferred glass. If I'm at home, I want I want a glass bottle. Is it? Is it? Um, is it the easy drinkability? Is it the romanticism? Is it the for the for the bottles? Yeah. No, I just, I don't, it's hard to put into words. I okay. think there's a nostalgic feel to them. They, uh, A can just feels a little bit cheapened. Um, it, uh, they have their place. I mean, I love, sure. I love, you know, I fish a lot and outdoors a lot. And so cans definitely are important. Um, but uh, I just, I always, I always go to the bottle. Okay. Yeah. It's so it's, it's just like bottles. a personal preference kind of thing, and yeah. this and the stubby yeah, pretty much the stubby bottles do sort of bring a a fun smile to your eye kind of thing. You know, oh, yeah. it's yeah, yeah. I mean, a, a, a hoppy little pilsner in one of those bottles is just like it's incredible. So it's something that you wanted to do, it's and that we wanted to COVID kind of forced you. It did. It kind of pushed it along, made it happen. Um, a lot faster than we were anticipating. Um, so we ended up using the equipment that we had for our mixed culture stuff. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, so that, that kind of launched that. And then, you know, going into survival mode in a brewery that makes mixed culture beer is pretty weird because you don't know if you're going to be open in six months or a year. Yeah. So it's, it's really difficult to look forward i mean when you're brewing those kind of beers you're thinking six months a year or two years ahead right and if you don't so early 2019 you weren't like oh the world's gonna be full of zombies yeah Yeah. you have to have hope to make sour beer (laughs) pretty much really so i mean that's how i feel that's how that's how it felt you've Um, opened up like nine veins of conversation that i want to follow but hope for sour beer or or being hopeful while making it just appeals to me on, 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 on some level because, and I've had this conversation, I, I don't know with how many brewers and I'm sure the listeners are sort of exhausted from me asking this question, but like when it comes to a mixed culture program, a sour program, things that are in wood, I'm always curious to hear from a brewer's perspective when they feel like something is done. 
because there is no timetable. There is no. No, there's not. I think that's the beautiful thing about those beers. Uh, I mean, that's the that's what I really enjoy about making them is that uh, you kind of surrender to what the beer is going to do. It tells you what to do and when when to do it and what's right and what's what's not right. And we've had beers that have gone, you know, they were singing and uh, we couldn't get to them in time and they ended up getting dumped. In the span of how long? uh, Through COVID, it was probably a span of like eight months. Okay, Something so things just, at like at the eight month mark, like January of twenty twenty. By the time uh, August came around, like you just weren't happy with them anymore. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, stuff like that. Shit. Um, yeah, it's only happened a couple times, but okay. uh, and there were more experimental things that we were trying, but but yeah, I mean that's that's what I really love about making those kind of beers. Um, you you know, discovered them as home as a home brewer. Yeah. What were the beers that inspired you when you were home brewing? to try mixed culture oh man um Kentian, <laughs> sure sure yeah, i've heard um, of them. jolly yeah. pumpkin okay you know just the all the, the, classics. the classics for sure um definitely uh, bob sylvester yeah i mean that's one big he's reason he's local-ish that we have. now he is yeah. he is he's up here now um that's probably why we have an open fermentation room um I was obsessed with his beers. I did, you know, and it was like I would get a bottle, and it was a 50-50 shot whether I liked it or not. You're saying somewhere, but, yeah, yeah. But there was something about those ones that were when they hit, man. It's there's nothing like it, and it's. I don't. I, I I know these things are hard to explain, and I don't want you to be. You know, you can be vague if you want to. Mm-hmm. What does hit mean for you? <sighs> Just balance, unity. It all work, all the pieces working together. Um, nothing, nothing sticking out that is just really, really off. I mean, when when a when a mixed culture beer is is not good, it's it's off. Uh, right, but it, I, you're a brewer saying that, and 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 I'm always surprised when, and I'm painting with a broad brush right now, but I'm mm-hmm. always surprised when I go to or used to go to breweries that had a quote unquote sour program, and I was like, this is battery acid or this is so out of whack but then i'm i'm watching you know quote unquote beer nerds line up and be like oh my god this dude and and there's this disconnect between what a subsect of consumers want versus what brewers hope to make versus the brewers who are really thinking about and committed to and understanding when something is 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 so is it has turned and and you have to dump it yeah yeah i think the disconnect is just experience i think that brewers obviously we drink a lot of different beer yeah and uh you know i mean you could say the same for a lot of different styles i think that there's a lot of beers a lot of breweries that make beers that at the end of their shift the brewers probably don't want to drink um I, yeah, you know i mean mixed culture saisons are probably not you know, or I mean, mixed culture well, anything I mean, is not I'm after. I'm thinking yeah. in my head. I'm thinking like you know a quadruple IPA with lactose <laughs> in it. That's probably not what you want in July at the end of your shift. No, but there's a line you know two blocks down the street lining up for them. Um, but I think that you know drinkers in general go through a cycle um, to where you get. It's funny too. Like a lot of breweries make they'll make like a golden ale or like a Kolsch, and they they work pretty well. And their their target is usually the the bush light drinker. Yeah. But it seems to me I've I've kind of found that 
that Bushlight drinker will go to the most extreme IPA or the most extreme sour thing, and then eventually come back around and find balance. Yeah, um, and I think that's kind of what's happening with with lager becoming more popular in the craft set. In the craft I mean, set, l- lager has never not been right, popular, right? But, but yeah, that's, but yeah, in, like, in a small brewery like this, yeah. you know. Um, but I think that's that's a that's a part of it is that people have been they've been just been drinking craft beer long enough to know what's uh, balanced and what's just like ab- absurd. I was talking to Mike from Zebulon recently, and we were talking about the same thing of like you know coming back around and the sort of need or desire to drink what your father or your grandfather or you know <laughs> like your ancestors drank. And what I found really interesting was you know and this was after after we had recorded, uh, we we were talking about how this next generation that comes up Sierra Nevada pale ale is going to be their dad's beer. It's not going to be hams. It's not going to be Bush light. It's going to be Sierra pale or, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like something that has, you know, hops or flavor to it. And so there's a little bit of hope for, you know, the quadruple IPA lactose drinkers that like, Oh yeah. You know, that familiar old green label, like (laughs) that's tasting pretty good right now. Yeah. Um, when you're thinking about, developing a recipe who are you brewing for uh so it's typically like one for you two for us okay um <laughs> it depends how we feel at the time you okay. know we make most of the ipas that we brew you know we've got two on right now um those are those are for you Okay. Um, although I will have one when I get off my shift, sure. I still enjoy them. Um, I don't get super excited about brewing IPA. It's a lot of fun, but um, yeah, that's typically how we look at it. You know, like we didn't, you know, we didn't brew that Rauchbach for the masses. Uh, we know when beers are. going No, I sell. know who you brewed it for. You yeah. brewed it for uh, for the this week in Rauch beer uh, community. <laughs> yeah, We've they're loyal. Got, we have another smoked beer in tank. We have we actually have a series uh, that we're doing with uh, with Epiphany Malt. Um, to where we have them, um, and we actually went over there for the first smoking of the malt. Um, we we're doing a really lightly smoked malt, and we're using 100% of that as our base. Nice. Um, and we're using different woods in okay. North Carolina um, for these beers, and they've they've turned out really beautifully. Um, you know, being from Miami, coming up here, we used to come up here and camp and stuff in the in the summertime, and like this, these mountains always smelled like, you know, far off hickory smoke or yeah. far off, you know. Uh, uh, a barbecue pit yeah. far off. Ham water. And yeah. yeah, it's it's and it's it's awesome. And every time I smell it, you know, it's usually like in spring, um you know, fall through fall through spring, it's it's got this like faint smoke smell up in these mountains. And uh that that series of beers is kinda like an ode to that, to 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 this area. I miss doing the show in person because I get to see facial expressions. And you have this it's it's not impish, it's not mischievous, but it's it's this wistful kind of thing. And when you're out watching the smoking of the malts, um, there's got to be something like as a brewer that keeps you interested, because otherwise, like you're just gonna become, you know, a bitter husk of a guy who is you know mashing in to make whatever, just to make the paychecks, just to make the you know, just kind of keep going. When you can have projects to look forward to. 
like that's got to drive the creative spirit, right? Oh, and I'm yeah. just sort of seeing that on on your face. Like, yeah, that's absolutely. The, yeah. I mean, we're we're really lucky that we were able to, you know, we're a brewery owned by brewers, um, and that's pretty rare. Um, yeah, that we're able to to do that and doing it in a town like Asheville, you know, we knew we had the, uh, the, the audience to be able to make the beers that we wanted. And we just hoped that people would, would feel the same way. Yeah. Um, so we haven't really had to, you know, make the, make the beers to, to keep the lights on, um, very much. I mean, we haven't really, you know, we've been able to just brew what we love to brew and, uh, and just constantly trying to get better. More with John in a moment, but first, a word from the companies and organizations that help support this work. Please give them a closer look. Brees is the original craft maltster and currently offers the broadest product line in the industry. Brees barley is grown in the Bighorn Basin of Wyoming and Montana, where warm days, cool nights, and floodwater irrigation yield some of the highest quality barley in the U.S. At Athletic Brewing Company, their innovative process allows them to brew great-tasting craft beer without the alcohol. Place an order today at athleticbrewing.com and get free shipping on two six-packs or more. And NZ Hops, a cooperative of master growers whose legend and cultivars have been crafted for over 150 years to produce some of the world's finest hops. NZ Hops are like no others, unique in their flavors and aromas. Visit nzhops.co.nz to explore more. And now, back to a windy patio along the French Broad River and Jonathan Parks of Zillicoa Brewing. Going back to COVID at the beginning, there is a lot of focus on people either drinking their cellars or stocking up on, and I think the cellar talk game was just was just that, because I, I tried it for a week and I was like, this is... This is miserable. Like this is this this is not fun drinking in, imperial stouts from you know 2015 uh, <laughs> just because I'm locked inside of my house right now. Like I want Sierra Pale or Bell's Too Hearted or you know and 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 we mm-hmm. saw a run especially in the bigger packs of, of things like that. Did you see a shift? And did you think do do, do you think that that's going to have a long term effect on mixed culture or some of the more esoteric beers that you're making? the way that consumers have been drinking for this last year? Um, I think the biggest thing is probably that's going to stick around, I think, is the direct-to-consumer. Mm-hmm. Um, that was really big for us for a while. It was like a, I mean, we looked like an Amazon warehouse here for a while. Um, we were packaging and shipping off a lot of beer. Yeah. Um, but that, that fell off. You know, we still do um, here and there, but it's not, it's not, you know, cases every day okay. like it was. But... Uh, but yeah, I think that, that that's an interesting route. I think that's going to it's going to stick around. I think it's going to change the way that people um, get sour beer, which does, I mean, they don't really sell that well, honestly. That, and that's and that um, and that's the thing. Like I'm wondering if, you know, uh, as the wind kicks up here, but I I I'm wondering if when you look at the last year, if it's like, well, we love making them, but the bottom line is it's difficult, especially like when you have to plan it, it is, so far out. It, it is definitely difficult. Um, but we, you know, we run a very bare bones. I mean, there's three of us that are on salary. Okay. Um, and we've really scrapped a lot of stuff together here. I mean, we started without a brew house. Um, so we, we didn't go into insane debt right off the bat. Um, and so that kind of allowed us to, to be able to 
to take time and to 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 make beers that we want to make and you know for the long play and not just for what's gonna sell tomorrow um it is it hard to or is it easy i guess to to sort of keep that philosophy going the longer that you've been doing this now for the last couple years yeah definitely easier or harder uh i think it's easier um just just you know and that's another thing that covid did was like it reassured us that we need to just follow our gut and just keep doing what we're doing you know because it was very tempting to just do put put everything into cans yeah um we knew we wanted those little bottles and we wanted them bottle conditioned um and uh it didn't make money sense even in the middle of a pandemic but it's what we wanted to do and we knew that at some point what we hoped at some point the pandemic would be over and we're working towards it yeah, yeah yeah Um, we're getting there, but, but yeah, we hope that, you know, in the end that we would have the, the product that we wanted and we wanted to be proud of what we were doing. And that's the most important thing, I think, to, to keep that up. I mean, at least psychologically, you know, because then what's the point? It's just to make money. There's easier ways to make money. Um, (laughs) yeah, that's not why we're here. Less sweaty ways. Less. Yeah. Um, I should point out, like, you, you've been brewing all day. You came out, like, soaked in your car hearts and, uh, yeah. yeah, your boots to, to sit down, and I appreciate you taking the time. Um, in a crowded town like Asheville, and I'm not asking you to name names or anything like mm-hmm. that, but pride is something that I think in the early days there were a committed bunch that laid the bedrock for what came after. And then there was folks who got into it just for the money or, you know, fame or, or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Do you see pride when you look around or? Uh, I mean, it's, it's hard to look at a brewery in the face sometimes because you have, you have, it's like a seven headed dragon. Yeah. You don't know what's the real, thing that you're looking at you know there's like again there's not many breweries that are owned by the brewer or owned by yeah uh the people that you see every day a lot of times it's a money person and then they get a head brewer who's a talking head sure um but uh yeah i mean brewers are proud they should be um i I guess does that make sense it does it does um you know yeah there's a really tight-knit community here um especially when i first started brewing i mean it was it was a lot smaller and uh everybody helped everybody out we still do um but there's a little bit of elbow bumping sure there's only so much room at the table and you can kind of feel that a little bit sometimes but uh we don't really get affected by it because we're so damn small i mean we don't you've said you've mentioned size a couple of times just just for listener edification like score it for me here like how many barrels yeah a year uh, about 600 okay yeah we'll probably do about 800 this year we're uh we're recording this on your outside patio between two train tracks and a river and uh some metal work that's happening outside as long as the, as well as the winds coming off uh but it's also now two o'clock eastern and uh you guys have just opened for business and all of the ubers are now pulling up with uh with all of the nerds, which, yeah. which is fun. <laughs> so, like that, those are the committed guys who are here. Like when you when two. you open up, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, do you have a sense of? 
I haven't been in Nashville since, or in this area since uh, January of 17. When the beer tourists come through, where are you on their their roster? So that's kind of the beautiful thing about where we are is that we're, you know, we're about a mile from downtown. Yeah. But you it have feel, to you feels, have to try to find us. Yeah. Um, we've got a tiny little. <laughs> I got nervous. I got nervous there. crossing the you know the yeah. the the railroad tracks. I was like, I've yeah. I've been at crime scenes like this before. Yeah. yeah. So if, if you're here, you wanted to be here. You know. <laughs> Um, but are which, you the first brewery of the day and then people work their way downtown or are people downtown and then they get recommendations and they like, it's usually that it's usually the recommendations. Downtown. Okay. We get that a lot. Like, Oh, you've um, been drinking the shit downtown. Come on. You yeah, know, it's go usually, drink, go get a good pint. Yeah. yeah. And it feels really good. You know, we have a bartender downtown telling people to come to your brewery. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's pretty great. Um, is there a, but then there's a pressure that comes with that. If somebody takes the the Uber ride a mile outside of downtown and they've spent whatever, yeah, but that's you don't care. No, there's okay. way more important pressures. <laughs> What's the most important pressure on you right now? Oh, being a dad. Well, sure. You know, that's number one. Yeah. Um, I just got a puppy, so being a puppy training. Yeah, man, dad. that's that's a thing. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Well, I have a four year old and a thirteen year old dog, and yeah, yeah it's yeah. So, but yeah, but letting down tourists that come over here because they don't like our beer is not on the top of my list. <laughs> you're not, you're not losing sleep not, at the end of the too night. Too much, no. Okay, yeah. Uh, I mean, again, I, I hope they love it, <laughs> but you know, not everything's for everybody. You, you brought up family. I'm always there's generations of the, the the very early generations of brewers, and then maybe even the ones through like the 80s and 90s who started this, who saw the Anheuser-Busch family, which is a terrible example to base your, your family off of. Um, but there's this whole thing of dynasties, and this is a business to pass down. Mm-hmm. Is, is that something that cross... I, I don't know how old your kids are, but, like, I, you know, it's... Yeah, they're, they're six and nine. Okay. Um, and if they if they wanted to, I would, I would love that, because I love where I'm at. Yeah. I love my life. Um, you know, I get to come in here and, and play with beer all day. Yeah. It's incredible. Um, but if, you know, if they find joy in that like I do, then absolutely. There's no pressure to do that at all. Yeah. I mean, I'll be dead and gone. So as long but, as they're as long as they're happy doing what they're yeah. wanting to do and they find a creative outlet like like I've been able to, then then that's all that matters, I think. The creative outlet is so important in this arena and and i think business sort of takes over and i love that this is a brewery owned by brewers and you're looking for creativity and you're you're trying to put stuff out where what inspires you and then how do you translate that into your beers oh all sorts of things um okay whether it's tasting a beer or thinking about a beer i had in the past or uh, reading about some old tradition that sounds interesting, but also maybe kind of gross. Um, Is know, there an example of some stuff? Yeah. Uh, I mean, some of the old Goza stuff, you know, the way that those bottles sealed up with like a, just the way that they did that was, yeah. sounds kind of nasty, um, <laughs> but also interesting. Um, you know, 
yeah, like through through historical stuff, but also a lot of just like it's mostly just what I want to drink at the end of the day. Because I think if you get too far into other stuff, then you're just getting lost. It's fun to go in other directions or to, to ha- you know, make a play a spin on something yeah. or riff on something or use, you know, you know be, think blood orange and then you want to go with that, take an ingredient and go with this or I want to use this botanical and go that direction. And that does happen. But for the most part, they start with what do I want to drink right now? Yeah. Um, but there, but there's a couple of different kinds of drinkers where people want you know I, I want two or three and of the same thing or there's mm-hmm. the people who you know I'm gonna open up a 14 percent barley wine once a night and oh yeah you know, I mean so there's different kinds of drinkers absolutely and I'm I'm all over the place I mean I love a huge huge stout every once in a while when it's cold out it's like there's nothing better you know same thing with like that yeah. rock there um, it's a lot of fun to drink you know yeah. so like through the winter. It's that's an incredible thing to drink on, and then as this, uh, you know, as as the temperature rises, you know, a little four percent pilsner, forty IBUs, just yeah, yeah. Um, I I keep every time the wind is showing up in the mics, and uh, ho- hopefully people are sticking with us uh, through this. We have windscreens on, but like it's there's sort of I guess a, is that a hill or a mountain? There's some sort of Fully, like we're this in like a valley. This is the kind windiest spot in all of Asheville. Cool. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that I <laughs> I decided to set up the mics exactly uh, in the windiest place. Yeah. But when you're talking about open fermentation, um, whatever is coming through right now, yeah, no, you're you're fine. It does, <laughs> you know, it's it's just gonna, it's just gonna happen. Um, have you noticed in the last couple of years when you're doing open fermentation, is there a flavor is there is, is there an aroma is there something that is on the wind that is getting into your beers uh, on the wind well sure as far as uh no we okay. so we have a we have a hepa filtration system oh okay uh with positive pressure in that room um uh, we were about to we were about to just spray mixed culture stuff all over the all place. over the walls yeah um then we kind of stopped and like well we might want to put our loggers in here yeah <laughs> Let's not just do that quite yet. Um, but now it's like we probably do half of our lagers in the open fermenter. And it doesn't. Um, so as far as like flavor contribution, it's hard to, it's hard to put your finger on. Um, okay. I would say that it's a little bit more cohesive. There's a little bit more of like a, of an ester production. Um, you get more, it seems like there's more yeast character to it um and it's worked better with some yeasts than others um, okay but yeah it's really hard to pick out one thing it's just kind of an overall feel and it's also you know i haven't done i haven't done any kind of blind taste testings or okay or anything like that but what are you feeling but, though when you're saying it's an overall feel of just more smooth more more smooth but also more more like um more soft and yeast focused okay that's not at all helpful <laughs> yeah <laughs> like it's like <laughs> I'm, try, I'm trying to like yeah. find a graceful way out of it but i'm like ah, it just sounds like marketing but yeah i don't but, yeah yeah i, I it's it, it is it's hard it's hard to put put my finger it's, just, it's very subtle i mean it's not like they're coming out of there and being like whoa yeah that's different um but 
You know, I feel like I, I can taste it more in our Hellas. Okay. Um, because there's not much. There's not much. There's there, not much there. to hide yeah. behind there. Yeah. Um, and it just comes off as a little bit more yeast driven. Okay. I know that doesn't really. That's not a no, descriptor, no, no. but no, but that's. Um, but you know your beer is better than anybody. Yeah. So, so yeah. it just comes off as. So here's a good example. Instead of like a little bit of like bread crust. Yeah. In our Hellas, it seems a little bit more like par baked white bread. Okay. A yeast roll and not like a, a brown crust of the yeah. outside. Okay. It's the inside of the bread, not the outside of the bread. And that's appeal. I mean, that's obviously appealing, and it. I yeah. love it. Yeah. Yeah. When you think about that. You were talking about working with local maltsters before. Mm-hmm. Are you trying to, the more you learn about what this area is providing with your open fermenters and with the beers that you're making, are you starting to think about the malt that you want to start sourcing that you think can complement that, accent that, whatever? For the open fermentation specifically? Or just just in general, I guess, but um, well, I was using open fermentation as a... Yeah, so we've been, we, I mean, we've been using um, Six Row Pilsner from uh, Riverbend for a while. Okay. Uh, it's very, very grassy. Yeah, it's fun. Um, and it's, it and works, that's in the Hellas, right? That's not in the Hellas. Okay. Uh, no, that's in the, uh, that's in our, all of our mixed culture stuff is pretty much Riverbend or okay. Epiphany. Okay. Um, and our, our lagers, you know, we, we do use North Carolina malt and a handful of them. But for the most part, we're using German malts. If we're doing something that's just a straight Hellas, we'll use German malts. Okay. Um, for the most part, but uh, you know, we do do all North Carolina stuff. I, I have a weird thing too, where I don't like to mix. I don't like using a little bit of North Carolina and a little bit of Germany. I just I don't know why, but I just can't bring myself to do it. So it's either we either go all in North Carolina or we do or we or we go traditional European okay. malt. That's just. It like makes a, no sense. Okay. I just. It doesn't. It's feel, like a, it just like doesn't feel Ghostbusters, right. like you don't cross it, the streams. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. I, I, I mean, feel like it's until like, until it's, you do, and then you know. I, you know uh, that's and then funny. you put marshmallow in a beer. Yeah, I haven't really thought about it too much, but yeah, I just. It always <laughs> so feels I like I just if cracked gonna, myself up with that terrible, <laughs> terrible joke. Uh, yeah. But it, yeah, you don't it just, like it. It feels right. like it feels like if we're if we're gonna do it, we should we should just do it. A year from now, and it's tough to predict, but you work in beers that are looking longer term. Mm -hmm. Um, Is there something that you're thinking about right now that you hope can come to fruition? Yeah, like beers that we're working on? Yeah. 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 So one of the things that that COVID did was, you know, like I said, it kind of took away our, our, or at least mine, thinking ahead and and kind of neglected the the mixed culture side a little bit um but we've been recently really jumping back into the hoppy brett beers which has always been a focus of ours like if we could do two things here it'd be open fermented lager and hoppy brett beer that's it yeah if, if i had to choose two that would be it okay yeah um i love the combination of brett and american hops i think it's a, it's a really incredible combination and it's a it's a new, in, wh- in what way like how do you well, there's, how, like, how there's, do you a, there's a bunch of different yeah. you know there's a lot of uh small independent uh yeast companies that are uh that are that are banking really interesting brett's um and then there's you know american hops and new zealand hops that are just incredible and uh the combinations of these things are just they're they're beautiful things what brett does to an ipa is just 
it's IPA 2.0. It's just a more, I, th- I think it's a way more interesting thing. Than what we're seeing in IPA right now. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it, you could call it the polar opposite of where IPA, IPAs are getting sweeter and thicker and more syrupy. And uh, the Brett IPAs I like to make are bone dry, funky. They've got layers. How, how do you get drinkers to come along to that? Because, just, yeah. Cause, yeah. You, you, you set it out on a table. I mean, you just, some people don't like it. Some people love it. Can't get enough. You're just um, cheesing a mousetrap? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's no real way to convince somebody to like something other than... Um, to just make it and put it out there? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just keep 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 on doing it, you know, and hope that, pe- it, that it catches on. Okay. I believe in it, so I think it's going to catch on. Um, I hope at least here it does. But... that's. But, I mean, that's fascinating just because, like, it is such a hard sell to get today's IPA drinker who's into, you know, hazy, juicy, whatever, mm-hmm. like out of that mindset into anything else that is not that. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, these IPAs though with, with Brett are, they are, I mean, aroma wise, they're unbelievable. The, the, I mean, it, it's, you can, you could smell it across the table, across the bar. So, I mean, Brett, Brett can show up in, in, in various different ways. So I guess I should ask like mm-hmm. which strain of Brett and then also like, how like how is it presenting? Uh, so presented in a lot of different ways. That's the beautiful thing is that okay. there's, there's a, a lot of different ways to do it, um, and there's a lot of Brit, different Brett strains and you know pitching rates and all sorts of stuff yeah. um, that you can really really nerd out with. Um, but for the most part, we will ferment um, pretty hot in the open fermenter okay. with um, a saison strain, and we've done it a bunch of different ways too. But uh, most recently, you know, going warm with a saison strain in the uh, open fermenter, and then um, giving it Brett right after primary fermentation, which is typically around day three to day five. Okay. Um, and then putting it into a stainless uh, Latina tank, um, probably on hops. We also have been dry hopping in our open fermenter, which is a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Messy. It's. Well, not, not so not much. Too messy. No, no, no. It looks cool. It's God, really, I've really been psychedelic. out of. I've made two assumptions now that I was like, oh sure. <laughs> like I've been out of. I've been out of the game for so long visiting breweries that like I have no concept of like what you all are doing anymore. Yeah. Well, there's no there's no head pressure. So okay. Oh, that's you know yeah, so you uh, don't have that much CO two uh, building up sense. in there, which yeah. is another part of the open fermentation. It's the geometry of the tank, and it's the you know there's a lot of things that are different about it. But um, yeah, but, oh, but dry hopping in that thing is incredible. It's a lot of fun. Um, so that's where you that that's where you're pushing for the next little bit and beyond. You hope. Yeah. So that that's been really fun recently is to finally get my uh, get that that creative side of my head working to where we're getting back into uh, Brett and just waking up all, all of our cultures again and um, you know. Have you noticed much of a change in the cultures? Yeah. Oh, I, I mean, yeah. When you go back to them. They're, they are constantly changing. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, just feeding them again. And, you know, we, our main mixed culture I've had for probably 12 years. Um, Is this back to your homebrewing days? Back to the homebrewing days. Um, and I read something a while back, and I don't know if it's true or not, but I kind of ran with it that, uh, you know, and it made sense to me. Again, I don't know if it's true. I haven't really done any kind of deep diving into the science of it, but that, um, so what I would do is I would take, 
my mixed culture, I'd add wood chunks to it, wood cubes. Let it ferment out, pour it out, take the wood cubes, dry them out, rinse them off, and let them dry okay. for about a month. And take some more wort and add those wood cubes back to the wort. And I did that a bunch of times over and over again. And the idea, again, I don't know if this is scientifically proven or not. The idea is to force the Brett to go into a uh, sexual reproductive sporulation. Okay. Um, so that it would mutate faster. Huh. Because I didn't want, I was taking stuff from yeast banks and I was taking stuff from dregs of bottles of yeah. stuff. And I didn't want to just take somebody else's thing. Right. So I wanted it to kind of mutate and become my own kind of little Frankenstein. Yeah, I was gonna. I, that's know? exactly. I was just about to say. It sounds like you're doing a Doctor Frankenstein thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's what it. I mean, it. You know, when it worked, I mean, it definitely changed over time. I don't know if it changed more than it would have. Yeah. Um, but it's but, yours. But it, it felt like mine. It felt yeah. more like mine. Um, whether it was or not, that's to be determined. But I was trying. <laughs> to make it mine. I love it. I think that's really cool. But that's what we use for. That's what we use for the majority of our um, for our mixed culture beers, and even for a lot of our um, our IPAs and stuff. Our our Brett IPAs, mixed culture IPAs. Well, I'm mindful of your time. I know you've been brewing all day, so. Um, yeah. No, it's fine. I'll I'll say thanks so much for for doing this. I I I'm curious to come back down a, a year from now, which I probably will. Because uh, I have I have a project that's going on that that'll probably bring me back down here a year from now, and um, I hope we can sit down again and find out where you are a year later. Because everything that you've been saying is so fascinating, and just this in in, in some ways it sounds like this year, as, as stressful as it might have been, like has probably benefited you as a brewer and the brewery itself. Yeah. <laughs> You're yeah. like, no, get the hell out of here. That's uh, yeah. well. I, I mean, I think you know the old adage. Not money of, wise, uh, but of, yeah. Yeah, of like what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. I yeah. think, you know, you find your resolve. You know, you didn't. We didn't break, and that's that's nice. Yeah. You know, to be able to to weather the storm and get through something as terrible as uh, COVID. Um, we're not done yet. No, we're not. Know. No, um, we're not but, even close. But I'm I'm damn happy to be where I'm at, and that we're still here and we're still open. And we still have people showing up at yeah. 3 o'clock right when we open. No, it's, I, yeah. Um, I mean, it was a few minutes beforehand, and now there's a couple of tables that are filled, and people are eating tacos and yeah. having a good time. And, uh, yeah, that's, I mean, that's an awesome compliment for a Thursday afternoon. Yeah. So. Yeah. We've been lucky here. We, uh, you know, I think we're one of the few places that people can come and feel really safe. Uh, cause you can, you know, we've got four acres here on the river yeah. and you can really spread out. You cannot be within 20 feet of somebody if you don't want to. Um, I, I would have loved that just before COVID times oh, just yeah. because, you know, I don't really yeah. like people, but yeah, yeah, it's like a park setting. That's kind of what we were going for. Is that, but. I mean, it's obviously been to your benefit, but have you seen that people have flocked to you during COVID because of the space that you offer that they might have not have been here I th I last think, spring? I think or so. Spring or before? I think yeah. probably, you know, maybe, maybe not just not here, but I think they're coming here more often than okay. they would have before um, because of the open space and because of how strict we've been with the COVID guidelines. And yeah, um, yeah I think we've done um, a pretty damn good job 
of keeping people safe. I was talking to your bartender before we started recording, and she was telling me all about you know just the you know the, the measures that you all put in place, and it sounds like you guys have just been adamant from the beginning, and yeah, that's really important. Um, and I wish more breweries were doing it, and you know, so thanks for doing your part and yeah of course getting us all back to actually being able to drink together in person and uh you know next time i hope we can have a pint together and uh yeah yeah thanks for thanks for doing this yeah thanks for having me my thanks to john and the entire team there for the hospitality and i hope that when you get the two shots and you can travel again that the brewery is on your list next week on the show it's another Asheville area recorded conversation that you won't want to miss as always, you can reach me anytime at John Hall, that's J-O-H-N-H-O-L-L, at BeerEdge.com, or on Twitter at John underscore Hall. And speaking of Beer Edge, you can check out BeerEdge.com for articles and episodes and more. And if you'd like to learn about advertising and supporting independent journalism, please contact Liz Melby. She's at Liz at BeerEdge.com. And speaking of that, this episode is possible through the support of these fine organizations. Brees has been malting barley for 145 years, and the fifth generation of family ownership is currently leading the company. But the values have always remained the same, producing the highest quality, most consistent malt, and working directly with their customers to help them succeed. From pilsners to porters and everything in between, Brees offers the finest handcrafted malts, extracts, and adjuncts to help you brew the perfect beer. At Athletic Brewing Company, their innovative process allows them to brew great-tasting craft beer without the alcohol. From IPAs to stouts to gold nails and more, they offer a full selection of beers starting at only 50 calories. Now you can keep your head clear and enjoy the refreshing taste of beer anytime, anywhere. Place an order today at athleticbrewing.com and get free shipping on two six-packs or more. And we're brought to you by NZ Hops. In a little country far down in the Pacific, you'll find a cooperative of master growers whose legend and cultivars have been crafted for over 150 years with creativity and passion to produce some of the world's finest hops. This is NZ Hops. The industry originated in 1843, not long after the early settlers arrived from England. Years of partnership with dedicated hop breeding program and farming knowledge handed down through the generations sees the current-day master growers proudly providing 18 unique New Zealand hop varieties to the world. Visit nzhops.co.nz or find them on Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn at nzhopsltd. Be sure to visit the This Week in Rauk Beer group on Facebook, as well as Twitter and Instagram. Listen to Steal This Beer every Monday, the BYO Nano podcast on the 15th of every month, and the Beer Edge podcast with Andy Crouch. Nate Schweber provides the theme music. Jeff Quinn made our logo. And remember to always defend Pilsner. I'm John Hall, recording this week from North Carolina. New episodes of this show release every Wednesday, and that's when I'm going to be back again to drink beer and to think beer. <laughs>